1: For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slave or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body that would not make it less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members Of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would be the body? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, The members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body, we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. Whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice with it. The word of the Lord. A gospel reading from the fourth chapter of Luke. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread throughout all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet of Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The Gospel of the Lord.
0: Grace and peace to you, my friends in faith. As you might imagine, I spend a lot of my time attending youth sporting events. Uh, So even... Thinking through this past weekend of going to watch my son phineas he 's a fourth grader playing basketball this winter, I realized how important team sports are, especially for kids or team activities, learning how to be able to to function uh, in something greater than yourself and so it 's a great way to be able to put together the concepts of teamwork, cooperation coordination what i 've learned while watching Finn play is that the score doesn 't matter. For example, when they won 46-4, to the score was not really indicative of anything. It was just a matter of understanding how lucky one team got and the other team was not quite as coordinated. I do realize, however, that the kids are keeping track of the score. Uh, watching his team play, I'm not going to lie, it is not a thing of beauty. This is not the way that basketball was created, the way that God intended basketball to be played. It is not a beautiful game. During a recent game, uh, Finn's team kept making the same mistake over and over again. They have a rule where you're not allowed to steal the ball within a certain area. And so, of course, his team kept trying to steal the ball within that certain area. And the other team's coach, you could hear, starting to bark. Like, hey, come on, you got to stop trying to steal the ball. And Finn's coach, of course, said to the refs, yeah, go ahead, keep calling them, calling them out on it. They need to learn. They need to keep being told that that's not what they're supposed to do. Because the only way they're going to learn is if you keep telling them that they're making a mistake. I think that's a great way of understanding how, you know, how these kids are learning, right? At, in fourth grade, they are not going to be future superstars with the way that their skills are now. But as they grow and practice and learn, things will hopefully improve. Right now, it's just a bunch of mismatched hands that haven't learned how to run and dribble at the same time. It's a bunch of 10-year-old eyes that think that the basketball hoop is a whole lot closer than it really is. And so they're chucking these things up, and it is falling way short. There may not be any coordination of the body, but even in the last two months, I've noticed how things have gotten a little bit better. Even from last summer, I've noticed how Finn has already made drastic improvement. Coordination it takes time, it takes practice, it requires teammates who have different gifts who can encourage, some who can pass, some who can shoot, uh, some who can listen to the coach. It also takes referees, administrators, coaches, it takes parents or grandparents to be able to transport and get to these games and to be able to cheer them on. In many ways, it takes a village. I, I, I think about how would Carl Anthony Towns have become the player that he is today, without the years of practice, without the village of coaches and family and teammates who have supported him and made him better? I realize team activities uh, in no matter what capacity they are it 's a great way for us to understand how what Paul is talking about in this reading from Corinthians today how when he's writing this letter to the Corinthians, he's talking about a, a community that has a lot of great gifts, but they haven't figured out how to sync them all up together. And he wants them to be encouraged. He wants them to say, look, look at how great these gifts are of all of the people that are gathered. What, hap- what would happen if you started bringing them together? How would things work? So he says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Uh, it must have been in the draft that got cut where he started talking about the belly buttons. So... I think that was part of this idea is all of these people coming together, synced up, thinking that, yeah, I may, I may not have this gift, but someone else over here does. Professor, uh, Professor Melanie Howard was writing about this. Uh, she says, The Apostle Paul imagines a scenario in which certain body parts claim that they don't need the others. While this imaginary scenario may at first seem absurd, the inclination that it illustrates towards this radical individualism is not merely the result of an act of imagination. Indeed, that conflict between radical individualism and recognizing the interconnected interdependence continues to be evident to us to this day, right? There's this message that we keep hearing that says, Be a radical individual, yet we also understand that we can't get anywhere without each other. So she says, for Paul's purposes, individual rights and personal freedoms are entirely secondary to the good of the whole. And we're faced with this every day, aren't we? Yeah, our individual rights and freedoms are important. They matter. But at what cost? Like, what are we putting first? How do we treat each other? How do we care for each other? How do we make wise decisions in our families, on our teams, in our work cultures? And how do we even do that in our church? And it's not always easy. So last summer, when our council was approached with an opportunity to collaborate with other churches to talk about what was, you know, what was going on, what's next, how is COVID affecting our ability to move forward, we were intrigued by this potential. We, we heard about this opportunity to work with a group called Liberating Structures. And in full honesty, as we've begun this, this, proje- um, this project and talking with some of the other churches, We've actually been affirmed. We've, we've been really grateful that a lot of the work that this group has been doing is, is work that our congregation has been doing over the years. We've been affirmed in our mission and our vision. We've also been excited about how we've had some really good best practices going forward. We've been grateful for great leadership stepping up and taking, uh, taking us in the direction that we need to go as a church. We had an activity where we had to choose words that describe our church. And then during our council meeting, uh, we, we kind of came together and we created statements from those. Those five words. And so at our last council meeting, uh, and again, we've been kind of a, a hodgepodge of in-person, Zoom, and, and so here we were at a Zoom meeting, and how, how best to be able to give you this message of what those statements are. Uh, four of our members uh, on council who are rotating off, and one of the council members who, whose term's up but, uh, but will be doing another term, have all read those five statements, and so here is what we came up with, and here's what uh, they had to say. Faith Lutheran Church practices our faith in action as we make a difference in the life of our congregation,
1: the community, and the world. Faith Lutheran Church is grounded in caring as we work to provide a sense of well being, hope, and growth for all members and communities. Faith Lutheran Church provides service through acts of selflessness, outreach, and advocacy. Faith Lutheran Church has a card of generosity which includes gifts of time, talent, and
0: financial resources.
1: Faith Lutheran Church is a space that thrives on and promotes relationships built on worship, prayer, education, and outreach.
0: First of all, a word of thank you to all of our council members. I feel like they signed up for council thinking, yeah, this is a three-year term, and 47 years later, we're able to say... Uh, we're able to say thank you. You can rotate off now. Uh, Robin is a, a great example of, of the statement she said was, we are practicing faith in action. Uh, I think about what, what things were like prior to the pandemic. This is Robin with her daughter, Grace, in Little Peach, in the tiny house. She was part of our first group from Faith to do Walking with a Purpose uh, with, with her daughter, but also with Sally and Dorothy. And that, that adventure happened at a really pivotal time in our congregation. We were thinking about ways that we as a congregation could uh, walk alongside our neighbors, especially the chronically homeless. And she heard about this during council and immediately raised her hand and said, I want to do this, but I want to bring my daughter with me. This idea of bringing along that next generation and talking about how we practice our faith. You know, she was devoted to deepening our connection with the unsheltered population here in the Twin Cities. And faith continues to dream about ways that we can provide housing in creative and innovative ways. And so here at faith, we're still in a holding pattern. What what would a sacred settlement look like here? But we see opportunities around the Twin Cities and the work that we have done has helped pave the way for other churches to be able to live into this. It's truly faith in action that a sacred settlement will hopefully be going into Mosaic Christian community in just a few short months, this work is happening. Thanks to you, Faith. Thanks to all of the things that that we are putting first. Uh, Renee Waddell, here she is in the circle. Uh She, in her statement, she said, faith provides service through acts of selflessness, outreach, and advocacy. Uh, Literally, anytime you see decorations around the church or something that's been put together, Renee's usually had a hand in in putting things together or taking things down. Uh, One of the cool things that Renee did is she applied for a grant a couple years ago to buy T-shirts that would have the faith logo on it, and then she encouraged anyone who took that T-shirt to then go out and do something. Just go out and live out your faith and then take a picture with you wearing that shirt. And so she was practicing what she preached in this example as, they, as this team had done some decorating and she put, um, put shirts on everybody and said, look, let's do this. So all of this, I mean, these, these are pictures of, of pre-pandemic things. Uh, the, the pandemic was truly a paradigm shift uh, for us. When COVID hit, we had to kind of pivot. And one of the people who truly kind of embraced that from his leadership role uh, was Mike Slavik. Uh, Mike had the I, I think anybody else who was getting these emails was thinking that Mike had the unfortunate responsibility of tracking the five-county daily COVID-19 cases, but I think Mike really, really loved it because he was like, you look at this, this is like from the, the this little snapshot shows you like some of those spikes way back in the day before the tracking really had kind of uh, emerged. And so Mike was able to put this together as a way for us to have a pulse on how COVID was hitting uh, in our area. And so he was, he was sending out this email, giving us a sense of what things look like. Mike was on the Be Well Faith Committee that did a, a great job of kind of communicating for our congregation like what's coming, what's next, what decisions are being made. Uh, this this committee helped make uh, recommendations to our leadership and say, hey, this is what the CDC is saying. They were doing a great job of getting us the information to be able to say, this is, this is where we're at. He was also the first person to say yes to the spiritual gifts and say, look, I want to help lead the spiritual gifts team and be able to facilitate some of that teaching. That That spiritual gifts is something that many of our members, as well as now our confirmation students, all go through that training to be able to learn very similar to what we heard in the first corinthians reading like okay you've all got these body parts and you're all really good at one thing what is it and then how do you live that out and finally the final member of our council that's rotating off is Lori, And you remember her from last week, right? With all the mooing and all the great, uh, this, this prayer lab that hit the road. And, and Lori was able to welcome Deacon Nina to her farm and explain her new prayer practice that she has been able to do. Uh, Lori also has, she's stepped up into so many leadership roles. Uh, she's, she's been the secretary and vice president while she's been on council. Uh, she's really thrived on promoting those relationships as, as she spoke of in her statement. She's also the one coordinating volunteers and helping serve Faith Break. So today, when you go grab your cookie and coffee afterwards, you can thank her for her service on our council and thank her for all of the ways that she has stepped into that leadership during a pandemic. You know, all of the leaders, I think this is just a, a window into how our whole congregation our whole congregation has operated. We, we've been able to see people step up and say, look, this is important. This is something that our congregation needs to keep doing. And people have stepped into these roles. We've been able to think creatively on how our church is being called into so many different ministries. And I'm thankful for all of the contributions of our council members, all of the volunteers, all of our tech team, all of our musicians, all of the staff, all of the, the people who've been able to just come in or, or be able to serve in any capacity. Uh, the people who've just been able to say, look, God, you're calling us. How do we step into whatever it is that we are to do? This council, I've been really impressed with how they've reflected our values as a church. They're a reminder that we are a collection of Christians that have a vast set of backgrounds, a vast set of beliefs, yet here we are. We come together, whether that's in person or at home, and we know that we are participating in the body of Christ, that we are selfless, that we need each other, that we've put each other as that primary concern. We do that for the good of the whole. We are led by the Spirit to share God's grace. We, all of us, one body, working in mission. Amen. Well, that's it for this week's sermon. Thank you for joining us. Look for more information on faithfl.org or certainly reach out to the office if you would like to receive weekly email updates. Thank you.